Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. This is going to be a premium episode of the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. And I'm not even going to charge you extra for this premium content. Yeah, there's a joke in here. You'll get it here in a bit. Anyway, there are several topics I want to touch on in today's show. Let's start with this debt ceiling deal. Now, first off, not to be in I told you so, but I told you so. There's not going to be a default. Yes, the debt ceiling is getting raised. In fact, it's basically being suspended until after the next presidential election. So, uh, blank check for borrowing over the next couple of years. Um, I know they still have to pass this thing through the Senate. It has passed the House. Um, I'm sure it will. You know, I've said from the beginning that this is a fake debt ceiling fight. It's all designed for political drama, uh, posturing, you know, dog and pony show, kabuki theater, whatever you want to call it. That's what this is. But uh, meanwhile, we have House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's running around calling this the largest spending cut that Congress has ever voted for in history. Now, weirdly, this massive spending cut will actually increase spending modestly over the next two years. You know, we live in this weird parallel universe, or I guess I should say uh, Washington, D.C. exists in this weird parallel universe where increasing spending is called a spending cut. All they're really doing is putting caps on spending increases for the next two years to set up the appropriations process. So they're not really cutting anything. They're just going to let spending go up slower than it otherwise would have. Um, This is what passes as a cut on Capitol Hill. So here's how the AP summarized this plan. Quote, the agreement would keep non-defense spending roughly flat in the 2024 fiscal year and increase it by 1% the following year, as well as suspend the debt limit until January 2025, past the next presidential election. Um, So, we've got a huge spending problem in Washington, D.C., and, you know, McCarthy's running around acting like, oh, the Republicans have fixed this. They haven't fixed anything. They've taken this massive spending problem, and they said, we're going to try to contain it here for a minute. Um, You know, here's the ugly truth. Even with these historic spending cuts, total spending will still be more than a trillion dollars above where it was in 2019 before the pandemic, right? Before COVID, when the Trump administration was already racking up near trillion dollar annual deficits. See, we we forget about that because we think about COVID and we think about all of the COVID spending that came about. um, And it was certainly a lot. I mean, it blew the budget out of the water and created, you know, the biggest deficits that we've ever seen. But Trump, was running Obama-like deficits long before COVID-19 reared its ugly head. Uh, So, 
we're going to kind of go back to that level. Well, no, we're not even going back to that level. We'll still be a trillion dollars above that level, um, which is just absolutely absurd. So, according to the CBO, though, this plan will decrease the federal deficit by nearly $1.5 trillion over the next decade as the bill stands today. Now, you see the problem here, right? The bill will not stand as it is today. In fact, the spending cuts will last right up to the moment that government comes up with some new emergency to justify more spending. You know, so like next week. Uh, My colleague Michael Bolden over at the Tenth Amendment Center summed it up perfectly in a tweet. He said, Biggest spending cut in history will go down as one of the biggest lines of bullshit in history. And then he said, Prediction, in four years, the federal government will be spending more than it is today. I think he's being very generous. Next year, the government will be spending more than it is today. Because look, that's what government does. You can look at the trajectory through, you know, no matter who's in power, no matter whether it's Republicans or Democrats, no matter who's in the White House, spending always goes up. That's where government power is rooted, right? In spending money. That's what they do. So this notion that somehow we're going to have these cuts in spending and that uh, all of a sudden we have fiscal responsibility in Capitol Hill is just, it's just garbage. So as I talked about last week, you know, now is when the real trouble begins, right? When they get this debt ceiling deal done, that's when we had the real problem. The problem wasn't the lack of a debt ceiling or being up against the debt ceiling. The problem is the spending. And as I've already pointed out, the spending is still going to be there. And, of course, with the spending comes the borrowing problem. And that's what we're going to see in spades here over the next uh, several months. When this deal gets finalized, the U.S. Treasury is going to have to sell $700 billion in T-bills within about six to eight weeks um, of the deal just to replenish cash reserves that were spent down while government was up against the borrowing limit. Who are they going to sell all this debt to? And how much is it going to spike interest rates? Only time will tell. But it ain't going to be pretty, folks. If you want the full breakdown on why the real problem starts after the debt ceiling deal is done, make sure you listen to last week's show. If you haven't already, I went into depth about what uh, this new surge in borrowing will mean. Uh, It's a huge problem, not only for the U.S. Treasury, but also for the Federal Reserve as it's trying to um, battle inflation. So check that out if you haven't already. Here's the bottom line. The fundamental problem isn't that the U.S. government can't borrow enough money. That's never been the problem. (laughs) The fundamental problem is the U.S. government spends too much money. That's not going to change now, no matter what McCarthy or anybody else tells you. All right, enough of that. Let's talk about a little gold news. The yellow metal seems to have held the 1950 support level, uh, despite the pretty hefty sell-off we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Uh, In fact, we had a bit of a rally yesterday and closed uh, at around 1977 an ounce. 
Uh, by the way, a listener said that I freaked them out last week when I said gold was at 1750. Oops. Yeah, I'm human. I honestly never noticed that I said that. Um, you know, doing a podcast ain't easy. I'm sure I say all kinds of things uh, that, that might sound kind of goofy that I don't catch. But, you know, that's the way it is. We're just kind of doing this here on the fly. Well, not really on the fly. I mean, I do have prepared notes, but kind of on the fly. Uh, so you're going to get weird things like that. So I apologize for anybody who was like, 1750? Oh, my gosh. Because obviously we weren't anywhere near that low. Anyway, we'll see what happens with the uh, price after the May jobs report comes out and gets sliced and diced. Uh, if it's another strong jobs report and based on the private sector uh, hiring numbers that we got yesterday, uh, I think it might be a pretty strong job number. So we might see another uh, sell-off in gold, although even with the ADP numbers yesterday, we saw gold rally. Um but typically, you know, when we have these strong labor market reports, uh, that means the Fed is going to get really serious and whip inflation's butt. Uh, so, you know, everybody sells off gold because they think interest rates are going to go up. Anyway, you know, the other day I was thinking that my impression is that most people out there have a pretty negative view of gold. You know, I think about, um, um, oh gosh, I can't remember who it was. It called gold a useless relic. Um, or, you know, it's just a rock. That's kind of my perception, that those of us who are really, you know, quote-unquote gold bugs, I hate that term, but you know, it's, that's, that's kind of the term that gets thrown around, so we'll roll with it. Um, but, you know, I get this this feeling that there's this small group of us and then everybody else is like, oh, gold is some kind of, you know, archaic thing that nobody cares about anymore. And I think I have this impression because most of the comments and emails I get are critical of gold. That and the fact that the price hasn't gone up as much as you would expect, given that we're in a time of historically high price inflation. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I find that frustrating. But I also understand the dynamics. And that's what I try to explain every week on this show. There are reasons the markets are behaving as they are. And then there are the economic fundamentals. And I believe in the end, the economic Fundamentals always win, and that's why I'm bullish on gold. But a lot of people aren't. Um, and I feel like the majority of people aren't bullish on gold because, as I said, I get a lot of negative feedback. You know, people are always adding me about how gold sucks. And typically, they point back to 2011, and they say, see, gold hasn't gone up at all. And if you want to know why they always pick 2011, go look at the price movement over the last 25 years or so. It's about the only year you could have bought gold and not seen at least modest gains, um, and in most cases, healthy gains. But since I'm inundated with these negative comments, I'm sure that skews my view on how other people see gold. And apparently, the attitude is not nearly as negative as the commenters make me think. In fact, Americans consider gold the second best long-term investment option. This according to a recent Gallup poll. The yellow metal beat out stocks, it beat out bonds, 
it beat out crypto, and it beat out like savings accounts, money market accounts. The perception that gold is the best investment over the long term rose from 15% in 2022 to 26% in the 2023 poll, overtaking stocks at the number two spot. So in other words, 26% of Americans, based on this Gallup poll, believe that gold is the best long-term investment. Real estate has held the top spot since 2013. Um, 35% of Americans rated it the best long-term investment in this most recent poll. That was actually down sharply from last year's record high of 45%. Now, that's not surprising given the fact that the air has been leaking out of the real estate bubble for the last year. So, you know, you can understand why people have soured on real estate a little bit. Anyway, looking at some other asset stocks held third place with 18% saying uh, it's the best long or they are the best long term investment. Um, savings accounts and CDs were fourth behind stocks at 13%, and then bonds were at 7%. When cryptocurrency was included in the investment options, it got just 4% of the votes, and that was down from 8% in 2022. Again, makes sense with the, you know, the FTX uh, debacle and, and uh, the dip in price and whatnot. So this Gallup poll actually dovetails with gold demand data. Um, I've talked about this before. Demand hit an 11-year high in 2022, and uh, that was driven primarily by central bank gold buying and physical gold investment. So there are a lot of people out there that are buying physical gold, gold bars, silver bars, gold coins, silver coins. Uh, a lot of people are out there uh gobbling this stuff up. Again, if you look at the price movement and you listen to the pundits, you get the impression that people aren't all that interested in gold right now. And institutional investors, I don't think are very interested in it. Um, you know, folks that trade in the ETFs who are kind of playing the 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 daily ups and downs, they're not that interested in gold, but there are a lot of people out there buying physical metal. Um, and that data also jibes with polling done by the World Gold Council. Now, admittedly, the World Gold Council has a, a bit more bias, but regardless, their research showed that Americans recognize gold's, quote, long-term value proposition and safe haven attributes. And according to the World Gold Council, around two-thirds of investors, and this would be globally, agree that, quote, gold is a good safeguard against periods of political and economic uncertainty, and that, quote, the price of gold increases over time. So apparently people out there don't think gold sucks as much as some of you commenters, and you know who you are. So, to wrap up the show, I want to talk about a subject that has come up numerous times lately, and that is the issue of the premiums that you pay when you buy gold and silver. See, I told you that this was going to be a premium episode. <laughs> okay, so when I talk about the spot price of gold and silver, or the return on precious metals investments... Some people are very quick to remind me that I'm not factoring in premiums. 
Just the other, di- uh, the other day, a guy posted this comment on YouTube. Uh, it was on an episode a couple of weeks back. He said, gold plummets by $150. Price of physical stays exactly the same, and premiums are now at over $200. There is no way for the average guy to get an ounce of gold in his pocket any cheaper. When silver went to $12 a few years back, it was still over $25 an ounce if you actually wanted physical. Now, I have no idea where this guy got those numbers. They seem really high to me. I mean, the premium on an American Gold Eagle typically runs around 35 to 5% of the spot price. So that would be about $100 an ounce. He's talking about $200 an ounce. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that some company somewhere is charging that kind of premium on an ounce of gold on some type of product. I honestly, I don't really keep up with premiums at all. It's not my part of the business unless I'm looking to buy. And then, of course, I'm shopping premiums. But I will tell you this. I have never paid anything anywhere near what this guy is quoting. Regardless, he does bring up a valid point. Premiums are a thing. And you do need to factor them in when you're investing in precious metals. And I don't think most people really understand what they are. I mean, they know that if they're going to buy gold or silver, they're going to pay over spot price. But but why do we have premiums? What are they? Well, in simplest terms, the premium is the amount a buyer pays over the spot price of gold or silver. So basically, you can think of it as the cost above the raw material. And Premiums factor in all kinds of different costs that are being passed on to the customer. I mean, obviously, a company that is selling gold and silver, they have to make a profit, right? They have to pay their employees. They have to you know, rent a physical building. They've got cost of business. That's what the premium is, right? You know, it's kind of funny that some of the comments that I get regarding premiums are incredulous. Like, how dare they charge anything over spot price? But look, every investment has costs above the value of the asset, right? For instance, if you buy stocks, you will likely pay brokerage or transaction fees. If you buy real estate, you're going to give a commission to the realtor. You know, you've got taxes and fees for your closings. And that right there is why I don't talk about premiums when I'm talking about the price of physical gold or silver. It isn't possible to include premiums and fees in a general discussion about the price of an asset because, first off, they change over time, and they actually vary from seller to seller. That's why it's very important to shop around for the lowest premiums. Side note and shameless sales pitch, Shift Gold maintains some of the lowest premiums in the industry. So if you're shopping premiums, at least check with Shift Gold and see how they compare. Now, a lot of people assume premiums are commissions and that that money goes right into the pocket of the guy you're talking to, you know, the broker. That's not true. Again, as I already mentioned, premiums cover the cost of doing business. In fact, Shift Gold pays premiums when they source gold and silver products. In other words, when they get uh, American Silver Eagles to sell you, they're paying a premium to get that product. So those costs get passed on to the consumer. It's 
it's just like any other product, right? Retailers have to factor in their costs into the price. That's why retail prices are always higher than wholesale. If you want to avoid premiums, you have to find a way to buy gold and silver wholesale, like from a mine or something. You know, good luck with that, right? Now, as I said, premiums vary greatly from company to company, and they also vary over time. In fact, premiums on both gold and silver have been relatively high for the last year or more. That's because premiums are heavily influenced by supply and demand. When the demand for gold and silver is high, premiums will inevitably rise. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, demand for gold hit an 11-year high in 2022. Um, Kind of looking at here in the U.S., combined U.S. and European purchases of gold bars and gold coins hit 427 tons last year. That exceeded the previous record of 416 tons, which was set back in 2011. Meanwhile, silver demand last year set records in every single category from investment to industrial offtake. So this strong demand has pushed premiums higher. I mean, I'm sorry, economics is a thing, right? On top of strong demand, there have also been supply issues, primarily due to mints, which are typically government-run, so surprise, surprise, they don't do a great job of ramping up production to meet surging demand. Uh, This has particularly been the case at the U.S. Mint in recent months, Uh, predicting particularly with the production of American Silver Eagles. In late 2022, there was a significant Silver Eagle supply squeeze due to a shortage of silver planchets. Planchets are the silver discs that are used to strike coins. Basically like a blank, right? The U.S. Mint does not create its own planchets, so it must obtain them from outside sources. According to a CoinWeek article last year, that planchet shortage... Planchet shortage, say that three times fast. The planchet shortage has resulted in a coin production shortage, with the mint having struck only 12.8 million silver eagles through September 2022. That compared to at least twice that amount at the same point in 2021, when demand was at a similar level. And uh, they go on to say that pushed premiums way up to perhaps the highest levels ever. the highest levels over spot ever seen. That is the hardest paragraph I have ever tried to read. Um, But you get the idea. There was a significant supply shortage, particularly with American Silver Eagles, that pushed premiums way up. And I think a lot of times when people are complaining about high premiums, they're specifically talking about uh, the very high premiums we've seen on uh, American Silver Eagles and to a lesser extent, uh, American Gold Eagles, uh, because those are very popular products. Uh, And of course, if you have a supply shortage in one type of coin, that's going to cascade. You know, there may not be a production issue uh, at the Royal Canadian Mint, but there's going to be more demand for those coins because they can't get the American Eagles. So anyway, that's why we've seen these really high premiums, particularly in coins. Um, So, with the premiums exceptionally high on these U.S. minted coins, there is a perception that all premiums 
have gone through the roof. But in fact, they have been much lower on many gold and silver products, such as nationally government-minted coins uh, from other countries and privately minted bars. So, if you are flexible on the type of gold or silver that you're going to purchase, you know, if you're willing to shop for coins or bars and, and look at different options, you can find products with much lower premiums and better value. Now, here's another important thing to understand about premiums. Most people think that they are a sunk cost. In other words, they assume that once they pay that premium, they're never going to uh, get that premium back when they sell their gold or silver. But that's not necessarily true. In fact, dealers also pay premiums to investors when they buy back gold or silver during periods of high demand. For instance, Shift Gold typically buys back American Silver Eagle coins for a healthy premium above the spot price. And of course, that premium grows in periods where demand is high and inventory is tight. So here's an example that one of our precious metal specialists gave me. He said, if silver rises to $100 and there are supply shortages which there probably would be with $100 silver, it's possible Shift Gold could pay clients up to $150 or more per coin. So ultimately, the free market is going to determine what these coins are worth. But generally, as demand picks up, buyback premiums likely rise. If demand continues to increase, the premiums you pay today may not be a sunk cost, and you may get some or all of the premiums back on the back end when it comes time to sell your gold or silver. So here's my summary of premiums. One, every investment has costs above the value of the asset, including commissions, advisory fees, brokerage fees, custodian fees, loads, etc., etc. Premiums are the primary cost associated with investing in precious metals. This isn't unusual. It's not unfair. It's not out of the norm. Number two, Premiums vary over time based on many factors, including supply and demand. They also vary significantly from company to company. You can and should shop around for the lowest premiums. Three, just because premiums are high on one product doesn't mean they're high for all products. For instance, you may be able to get a much lower premium on silver bars than you can on silver coins. Again, it's important to be flexible and shop around. And finally, number four, premiums are not sunk costs. Dealers pay premiums when they buy back gold and silver. It may be possible to recover some or all of your premiums depending upon market condition. So, here's the key takeaway. Shop around for the best premiums. And I guarantee you that Shift Gold will be among the lowest premiums out there. The best thing to do is just talk to a precious metals specialist. You can do it today. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160. You can email info at shiftgold.com. You can also just go to shiftgold.com, go to the Getting Started page, and you can chat right there online if you'd prefer to do that. If you just have a quick question, they'll be happy to answer those questions for you. That's what they're there for you. And they're fantastic. They know what they're doing. They can help you find the best value, the best investments that are going to work within your investment strategy that will fit into your portfolio. So do it today. 1-888-GOLD-160. And with that, we have a gold wrap for this week. 
You can get more details on all of these stories and a lot more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. Some really interesting articles this week on some economic data uh, and also how the air is leaking out of the commercial real estate market. Uh, possibly another thing that's going to collapse. So check those out. Um, if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at Apple Podcast on the Ship Gold YouTube channel, on Stitcher. Links to all of these things are on the show notes page, as well as links to our social media platforms. You can email me, mmaharing, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Uh, you can tell me if I said something wrong, uh, give me story ideas, or just say hi. That's it. We're done. I'm heading to Nashville. Y'all have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.